Well, we are back. We are back in the podcast. It's been about six to seven months since the last episode we launched, but I'm excited and refreshed, and I just couldn't think of a better guest for our first episode back than Salome Rojas. And if you do not know Salome, then you do not know me because Salome is my right hand, my left hand, and she's essentially the person that actually runs our career coaching company. And she's been the best thing that's ever happened to me in business. Um, And I'm super excited for all of you to uh, meet Salome, learn more about Salome, and just to learn from her because she is a boss. Salo, how are you? I got tickles after that introduction. I mean, wow. Thank you. Super, super excited to be in here, Danny. It's definitely been a while, and I'm glad that we are finally bringing the podcast back. And this is going to be a great chance to just tell people a little bit more about me, the business, and everything that has changed over the past seven months. Yeah, no, no. Before we dive into you, your story about the business and kind of all like that, like, you know, bringing the podcast back is a project that's going to allow us, me and you, to start working more together. For the last, I would say for the last year, me and you kind of have like kind of split the business in half and you've taken kind of one of them, I've taken the other one. And so we only kind of essentially talk like twice a week and it's like join our one-on-ones and join our leadership calls. And uh, this kind of, this project allows us to kind of go back to the, to the basics when it was just essentially just me, you, and like another person. Um and it's super exciting. But what do you think, what can people expect from the podcast that is different uh, from the first 200 and something episodes that we originally did? I would say that they can expect a lot of value. We are going to start this new journey of bringing a lot of really exciting guests that can provide advice from their different industries, points of views. We know that the market is not easy right now, so we are hoping to provide a lot more clarity and news and updates anything that can be related to job searching we are going back to the basics how to actually get a job not only through the eyes of opening careers but through the eyes of every single top leader in this industry that has something to say about it yeah no i i think that's what what i'm most excited about is that yes we're going to kind of bring you our perspective our advice what's working for our clients and how our clients are getting jobs and just share with you our strategies but also bringing in like the top career coaches in their industries and in their niches to kind of share what's working in their in their neck of the woods right and be able to ultimately provide and create the best how to get a job podcast there is on the planet and so I'm super excited to kind of like double down on this um brand of the podcast and kind of create more content from it and j- use the podcast as a, as a content pillar but uh without further ado salo so um you've been we've been working together now for two years so tell us a little bit more about your journey since joining the company as i think you were just like like you were looking for part-time work and <laughs> what are you doing now i know right uh, lots of things change during two years which I think that we both can agree that neither of us expected things to take this turn when we first started working together, but it has been an amazing journey. Lots of lessons, learning opportunities, challenges, times where we didn't really know what to do, but we have figured it out so far and we will continue doing it. 
Um, but but no, I mean, I started working at Albany back then. It was called Master in College Sugar Year as a virtual assistant. Uh, as Danny just said, like I was only looking for a part-time job. And two years later, I am the director of operations where I am leading the growth strategy and the day-to-day of a 20-people team, a 20-person team. Um, and I have gotten the chance of really not knowing, not really just knowing about how to look for a job, but what actually means to be successful. How can someone build a successful career, even as an entry-level person? This was my first job, so it has been a wild journey of going from being an applicant to being the actual hiring manager that makes the final decision. So, yeah, that's what it has been like. Oh, man, I want to talk about so many things. One thing I do want to correct is I knew that this was going to be – I did. I remember even telling you after, like, a couple of months, and you were like, hey, Danny – um, I'm going to work with you until August. I'm moving to go back to um, France to do to finish my, to do my master's. And so I can't promise you anything after that. And in my head, I was like, ah, she's got to stay. I got to make sure she stays. I, I was honest with you, but I don't, I don't know that you don't remember this. Like I was like, I will make it work. I don't know how. If I have to open a business in France, I will figure it out. Like you are not leaving as long as you want to stay here. You'll always have a space here, and um, and when you are you're being so modest on the like, so I would actually say like a big learning lesson as a business owner, right? It's like I am the idea guy. My head is eighty percent in the clouds in the future, and I suck at that attention to detail. And what Salo is the best compliments me so well because I feel like she is such an amazing executor that really kind of allows those ideas, those crazy thoughts sometimes into come into reality. And so when she says she's literally started as a virtual assistant, right? Like just doing copy and paste type of tasks. Two years fast forward later, she is managing the whole company and has 20 over, like everybody reports to her. The only person that reports to me is uh, it's her and, and, and Samuel, everybody else essentially reports to her. And so, um, I think I'm super proud of you because like, you are just so amazing. Obviously, this is all earned, and um, I'm super excited. But I think what's really cool, too, about it is um, I know that even though this is your first job, um, you have been able to hold so many roles to, and even hire over 25 people in, in, in this job. And it's interesting to have seen your perspective going from interviewing to ultimately now, like, being the final decision maker, because I don't even make the decision. I think Salo has a better uh, judge. I would say Salo has a better intuition or is better at this than I am. So I just said, if she says it's okay, I don't even need to talk to them. I don't even need to see a pic, like nothing, no resume or nothing. And it's interesting because you have also, even before you became the director of operations and essentially like the COO of the business, you manage our client success department and you manage our largest department, which is the coaches. And you worked with essentially every single client. We worked with hundreds of clients and a lot of times dealt with the most difficult clients that sometimes like, you know, our coaches like needed extra help. You were the, you know, the next level of, of support. And so I want to kind of go into a little bit there. You know, I, as this is the how to get a job podcast, You've worked with hundreds of clients in the last two years, and you've worked with clients who've gotten good jobs, and you've also worked with clients who've gotten amazing jobs, making over 150000 working for top tech companies. What differentiates the clients that 
you know, struggle really hard to get a job. I think that we all struggle getting a job. Let's, let's be honest, right? But the ones that actually get a good job versus the ones that get a great job. I mean, that's a really good question, Danny. And that's something that I ask myself all the time whenever we are, like, talking with the team. Because it's not easy. Especially in today's market, it's not easy. Job searching is not easy. So if you are listening to this podcast and you're struggling getting a job, let me start by saying that I understand. It's not easy. But there's a solution to it. I would say that the main difference between struggling into job searching and being able to walk out of it with a really successful job, with the head start to your career, you know, with the actual opportunity that you were looking for, is one, having a clear goal, like having a lot of clarity into what is it exactly that you're looking for, because that will allow you to not settle for just a random opportunity that shows up in the way. And then second, just having the discipline and grit to sit down and execute. Just because you want something to happen, just because you have clarity into what your dream job actually is, it doesn't mean that someone is going to just hand it to you out of nowhere, especially in today's market. So I would say that that's the, those are the main two things that, according to me, make someone or take someone from having an average job to a really, really good paying, successful job in a big company that gives them a lot of opportunities. Let's go deeper into that, right? I think what you're saying is so true and I would like double down on that, right? But what do you think are like the biggest mistakes, one to three mistakes that you see like, you know, job seekers are making that if they were just maybe to tweak yeah. that, it can dramatically increase their, their chances of getting the job they actually want? Let's start with the first one. So clarity. Sometimes I see people that come to us and they're like, I need a job, not the job, not, uh, not really like this job title that I'm looking for, but more like a job, right? So they are applying for just to give you an example, they're applying for software engineering, they're applying for data science, for data analytics, for business analytics, for financial services, for consulting, for a lot of different things, which makes it really hard for them to one, find focus and two, to present their profile in the best way possible. So I think that that's the first mistake that they can make. They think that by broadening their options, they're actually increasing their chances of hearing back from a company. They are massively applying to every single position that loosely aligns with their background with a really asking themselves twice what is it that they're looking for and what is it that they want to do rather than just any opportunity that shows up on LinkedIn that they might be a good fit for. So that is what I would say is like the biggest mistake that they can make. And then second, like diving deeper into this process of just like massively applying, not really thinking twice about the job description. So they apply with the same resume everywhere. They do not really customize their profiles to it. They are not looking to network. They think that this is entirely a numbers game. So by, according to the logic, by applying to as many companies as possible, by submitting as many resumes as possible, they increase their chances of hearing back. When in reality, it doesn't really work like that. And then the third main mistake I would say happens is that they lack the preparation to eventually let the interview to build deeper relationships with the hiring team because they did not take the time at the first place to research what the organization was all about. So that's what I would say are the three main mistakes that people make whenever they're job searching. Yeah, no, and I think it comes down to, you know, one, I think quality application is going to trump and it's going to be much better than the quantity application. And, and then, and, and you, you mentioned that, right? Like, you know, most people are just maybe in a, in a desperate state and they, and they believe that just by applying to hundreds of jobs every single week, because it feels good, 
by saying to your family and friends like, hey, like, hey, I'm not able to find a job. The market is terrible, but I'm doing everything that I could possibly can. I'm doing everything I can, and I've applied to 200 companies just this week alone. And, and it feels good to, to have and check the box of saying, I've applied to this many companies. And it feels good because you could justify your actions but what you're not realizing is that you know every company has limited resources and when they're hiring someone they're making a massive investment and they don't want to invest into somebody who's not even taking the time to properly apply for the job and and has clarity of why they're applying for this or and I think that makes a difference and hiring managers can tell the difference and I think it's it's interesting because now that you're on the other side of the table and and you're in your seeing resumes and you're interviewing people for our business you can actually like tell when someone's done research and, and, and you can tell when someone's prepared versus, oh, they just applied on our job board because they just applied for the job because it was on LinkedIn and it just popped in, in their feed. Yeah, no, for sure. Now that you like talk a little bit more about that preparation, that takes me to another mistake that I see a lot of people make and is that they don't have a value proposition. The company is making an investment whenever they hire a new person, but you as a candidate rarely take the time to think what can you do for that business? What that job means for the business? Are you making the company money? Are you saving the company money? Are you bringing in any, you know, any additional projects or expertise that are unique to your background and to your skill set that is not really common among the rest of the applicants? As long as you have clarity on what your value proposition is, that is going to be the first step into reaching out to more people, into building a really good resume, into applying with a high quality application, rather than just massively doing it because you're not taking the time to think what can you do for the business rather than what the business can do for you. Yep. No, no, I think you're absolutely right. Now, last thing before we kind of wrap it up, Salo, um, there's when when you were looking for a job right two years ago and, and you and you hear all these cliches and you hear advice, is there any particular advice that you heard when you were looking for a job and you were like, sure, 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 that now fast forward, you're like Darn it, like they're right about that. Like that common phrase is not common practice, but we should always take it seriously. There's a lot of them actually. So like, let me start by saying that what people say is worth investing time in, it actually is worth investing time in. Resumes, for example. Uh, a lot of people say like, hey, you should really customize your resume before you apply. And as an applicant, you might be thinking like, hey, that just takes too long. I don't have time to customize every single resume. It actually makes a difference. Starting there. Second, the power of LinkedIn. As a college student, you're not really thinking twice about how to use LinkedIn. You're thinking that it may be a little bit cringy to be posting or to be networking with people or to be like building your personal brand or whatever, when it actually is going to pay off at the end of the day. It's not really about what your classmates are going to think if like they are not really doing it, but what can that platform do for you? So on that same line, LinkedIn is an amazing tool to start networking. And once you start on LinkedIn, you're actually going to see networking opportunities everywhere. So start early because it takes time. There's a learning curve to it. It's not fun at the beginning. But the more that you do it, the easier that is going to be. The more people that you're going to be introduced to and the more comfortable you're going to be in those environments where relationships are going to be the first thing that matters. So I would say those are like the main pieces of advice that I would give my younger self if she was looking for a job again. Now, I, 
it's it's so interesting because because it's so true and it, and it, it is not just in the, in the how to get a job aspect of it but it is those simple advices that you hear throughout life from from adults right or from your parents or from your aunt and uncles or from your neighbor that like you're like you learn those lessons sometimes the hard way and you're like if i would just listen to that originally um it, it would be it would have made a massive differently at difference in the my network or in the way i do things and ultimately the results that i get and, and so i think that's a really important lesson now i, I thought about wrapping it up but I, I i came up with a really important question for you because i think you're really qualified to to answer that this following question um so Getting a job, a lot of times as college students, we feel like getting the job is the finish line. But the reality is it's just the start of a massively long marathon that, um, that you're embarking into. You're essentially retired. Um, and one thing we hear, another one of those things that we don't realize into, until we later on is that your first boss is more important than your paycheck. And um, – and, Sometimes you don't get that until you real until you start working with a really bad boss and you're like, man, my life is miserable. And because of that, it translates to my personal life. Or on the other side, hey, I have a good boss, and because of that, I enjoy my work, and then that translates to my personal life. But I'm not, I'm not, I don't want, don't tell people that I'm a good boss, a bad boss. We'll keep that a secret. <laughs> um, but I, what I want to learn is that what I think you've done a really good job is your ability to m manage up and manage your career. Like if I think about your career in two years, the amount of experience and the amount of different roles you've had in two years um, has had to do with the way you've managed and owned your career because you're, I've, I, I, you weren't my first hired and you definitely have not been my last hire, but you have been the one that's been promoted the most and has had the most of roles. And as much as I want to take credit for your success, I can't take it because I think a lot of it you did yourself and you owned it. And so I just want to uh, you to share your experience on that and any advice on that for sure for sure i think that there's a couple of things there so let's unpack it first saying that like your first manager is more important than your first paycheck that's absolutely true i have been really really fortunate to have a leader rather than a manager um, which of course has gave me a head start but what i think that a lot of people are missing when it comes to their relationship with their managers is that they forget that it's just as much as their responsibility as their managers to build a successful relationship your manager is a person just as you are so it's also your responsibility to get to know them to understand how is it that they work what are their strengths their weaknesses and then what has worked the most for me and the reason why i have been able to like have this many different positions is because i am always looking for areas of improvement areas to add value i have become a fixer right so it has, of course, been a, an amazing experience having you as a leader, but it's also like, especially for everyone else, if maybe you think that your manager is not there, think about what you can do for them. How can you improve that relationship? Make sure that there's always clear expectations about what you're supposed to do next instead of just blaming it on your manager that your performance is bad. Make sure that you're constantly educating yourself. How can you become better at your job? Are there any courses, books, influencers, any type of content that you can then consume to become better at your job? It's all about making the decision of where is it that you want to be and what type of employee do you want to be? Do you just want to be the person that shows up day to day, gets their paycheck and then goes back home? Or do you want to be the one that makes the impact? For me, it has always been the latter, right? So no matter whether I was just starting out sending messages or whether I was the one leading the team, that has to stay consistent. Always looking for areas to be better, to you know learn more. 
So I would say like that's the main thing into owning your career, saying that that's your responsibility rather than your manager's because your manager can change. But if at the end of the day, you do not have that ability to look inward and think, what can I do different? Then you're always going to blame your lack of success on someone else. So yeah, that's what I would say. No, I love it. I love everything you're saying about just taking ownership and like finding solutions. And this doesn't, this doesn't just apply in a startup environment like this coming from someone from a corporate environment, working for, you know, fortune 50 company. It, it was what allowed me to get promoted three times in six years is essentially is being solution oriented. Like, okay, finding a problem that I see that can be done within my little small realm of what PepsiCo is and trying to solve that and add value to it. And essentially, don't just think like, oh, well, that, that's not in my job description, so I'm not going to do it. No, in fact, the best way to get promoted is to do the job of the, that you want and you will eventually get the job. Because when you do interview for it, they're like, oh, so why do you think you'll be a good client success manager? I'm like, well, like, I just, I've been doing that job part of it. 20% of my time has been involved in doing the client success manager. And so you actually can show the hiring team that you lower the risk of hiring. You, you Look, I've done it. Let me show you. And because of that, it makes it a no-brainer to get you promoted, pay you more. And so if you want to make more, if you want to get promoted, kind of like what Salo said, solve the problems, you know, do the job, uh, add value, understand that every role in the company that makes or saves the company money is how it affects the total bottom line. And you have an impact regardless of the size of the company, even if you're employee one million, uh, you can find a way to add value within your little pocket and you'll ultimately get a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger pocket and make bigger, bigger, bigger impact. So, um, Salo, you are amazing. Uh, thank you so much for being uh, on the podcast. Um, the, the idea is for all of you listening is that uh, Salo comes more often, whether it's, you know, as a guest, co-hosting with uh, some of our guests, and she just becomes, because like anything else, what you'll notice, uh, she'll ultimately become a better host than I am. She'll ultimately become better than me at this and probably within like, three days or something really ridiculous. Stop it. <laughs> I, I totally, I embrace it. Uh, and I actually, I'm proud of her and I love it. So Salo, you're awesome. Publicly say this. You're I appreciate you. Oh, thank you, Danny. You're the best. And I hope to come back soon. So guys, stay tuned. A lot of amazing things coming. Bye. Bye. All right, welcome to today's rant. And today I'm actually gonna be talking about what are the biggest differences that I am seeing in the job market in 2022 versus what we're seeing today in 2023. And what I wanna talk about is uh, what are some of the different challenges or different things that we're noticing um, as we are continuing to help our clients get jobs in this difficult market. Look, um, when you look at the news, you get a lot of mixed uh, situations. You get one side of the coin. You're hearing that all these companies and Amazons and Googles and um, all these top tech companies, Meta, they're doing massive layoffs. Salesforce, pretty much every big tech company is doing massive layoffs in 2023. But at the same time, you look at the unemployment rate, at the overall unemployment rate, and it's like all times lows and it's really, really low. And, and arguably, economists say that uh, we're at a perfect unemployment because the amount of unemployment that we have is what people are generally looking for to switch jobs and they're just in a job transition. And in fact, we have more job openings than we have people trying to fill them. And so this can be very confusing. Um, 
And so here is like my thoughts on this after reading a lot about this uh, particular topic. What I am founding um, is that there is tons of jobs, but they're lower wage jobs, a lot of restaurant, hospitality, a lot of jobs that don't necessarily require higher education are available. It's the jobs that people don't want to do, right? And so those are the jobs that are really open. And what we're seeing is that the, the jobs, a lot of the layoffs that are happening are in the other side of the workforce. It's more of the white collar, educated, uh, more tech jobs from the big tech companies. And what's happening is that you see on one side, all these massive big tech companies are doing layoffs and yet they're having massive record profits and their stocks have essentially uh, grown massively in the last six months. And it's because they're either using AI or different technologies to take care of the jobs that they let go, or they're moving a lot of those jobs overseas to other countries where they can, instead of charging or paying somebody $150,000 to do, they can go pay somebody um, $40,000, $50,000 in total to do, or hire consulting companies in the United States that don't have the same level of benefits to do that. Now, what does that mean to you if you are a student that studied a STEM major, if you are a software engineer, computer science, machine learning, data analytics, or anything related in the STEM fields, particularly if you are an international student and you're saying like, okay, well, is it impossible to get a job if the big tech companies that used to hire 60 to 80% of you know, the international student or the STEM graduates of the universities uh, are no longer hiring because of whether it's technology or moving the job somewhere else. What do we do? And, and so this is something that we had to do as a company is to rethink what strategy do we now implement to help our clients get jobs? And um, for all you don't know, we specialize a lot. Like our niche is really international students, minority students, first generation students in the STEM student right out of college. That's what we specialize in. Now we bring in guests for all over to talk about all the other topics, but that's what we specialize. And what we're seeing is that, you know, our clients that used to take 90 days or less, or 90 days or less to get a job are now taking, you know, 120, 150 days to get a job. So instead of three months, it's taking four to five months to get a job. The, it's taking longer. The process is longer. Companies are being slower to hire. They're essentially walking on eggshells because the companies know they need to hire because these jobs are important for the future growth of the company, but at the same time are afraid to make quick hiring decisions because they don't want to incur too much cost and have to do layoffs in the future. Now, another thing that we're noticing is that our clients are not getting the jobs at the Googles, the Amazons, the Salesforce, the metas of the world, like the, the traditional Fang or Mang companies, but we are seeing that they're still getting jobs. And they're getting jobs in a more traditional businesses, you know, the blue chip businesses and middle and smaller size tech companies, right? And so what we're seeing is that demand for tech talent is still very high. They're still high, they're still high, but it's not the same companies hiring. So I give this example, and I remember back when I was at PepsiCo, I went to this sales, uh, this meeting for all the top, uh, essentially salespeople in the organization, and the CEO of Frito-Lay or PepsiCo comes in and says, look, we are a technology company. We just happen to bring in our revenue selling chips, Gatorade, and soda. 
And that really clicked and says, if we do not see ourselves as a technology company, we will fail long term. And so what I realized back in 2015, 16, and all the way in 2018 when I was at PepsiCo is that PepsiCo was developing their own apps, uh, their own apps for the iPad and to be able to have and give data and arm the sales team and the managers in the field with the data to go to their clients and be able to sell using a consultant approach, looking at the data. And PepsiCo was an innovator at that time, you know, being one of those non-technology companies that was implementing a lot of technology and data to make decision, you no know, data-driven decision making. And you hear the CEO of Bank of America say the same thing and realizing that every single company, the Home Depots, the Walmarts, the Targets, um, you know, your traditional manufacturing companies see themselves as technology companies as well. And so before they couldn't compete with attracting and retaining the best tech talent because the Googles, the Metas and the Amazon of the world were able to overpay for those jobs. So a software engineer out of college can come out and make $150,000 at a Google, but a PepsiCo could not afford paying $150,000. But what we're seeing in 2023 is that these companies, this traditional Fortune 500 companies that you wouldn't consider tech, need tech in-house. They'd rather have this in-house and can now hire those people because they're no longer going to the big tech companies. But the difference is they can't pay you 150, so they might be paying you 80 to 90 or even sometimes 75. And so what we are seeing is that our clients are continuing to still get jobs, even though it's taking a little bit longer and they're making a little bit less. I don't even a little bit. I think it is still a significant amount less. So we're not seeing those six-figure job offers like we were seeing in 2022 and 2021, 2020, even during COVID. Like it was crazy the offers that they were getting for tech companies when they were massively hiring, but they are getting jobs. And so my advice with you and what I want you to take away with this rant is this, like uh, there's still tons of job openings in the STEM and tech field, but as a job candidate, we might need to change the way we look at it. We need to essentially look at it saying, okay, what companies are growing and what companies are hiring and think outside the traditional big tech and think about traditional businesses, mid-sized and smaller size tech companies, right? There's tons of uh, companies that are backed by venture capital firms, so VC firms that have been infused with millions and hundreds of millions of dollars that are the next Uber, the next Meta, the next Amazon, that are being built today that are hiring a lot of people and they also do sponsor. So I think if there was that takeaway is saying, just approach your strategy a little bit different and saying, okay, plan accordingly, start the job search earlier, start the networking earlier, expand your look at what companies you apply to and think outside the box because even the companies that you do not think are tech are hiring for massive tech talent uh, because they're looking to bring that in-house instead of being at the mercy of this tech companies uh, and, and the mercy of this consulting companies. They're doing, they want to do that as in-house. And so remember, every company nowadays is a tech company. That's how the CEOs see it. That's how the board of directors see it. That's how the investors see it. Um, and I think that's, that's ultimately what you need to think about. So I hope you enjoy this rant. If you do uh, enjoy this type of this, you know, leave a comment or leave a review uh, and share this with a friend that might be struggling to get a job. I appreciate you guys so much and I'll see you guys on the next 
episode.